Hello, hi, I'm Erin Vandevin. Thanks for joining me today. This is Medium Lady Talks. This podcast is about figuring out the medium effort way to get the most out of life today. I hope the things I unpack here can role model and invite you to sort out your own ways to live life in the present. This is a show about experimenting to get closer to what matters most. I'm glad you're here, so let's settle in. Hello, hi, and welcome to episode nine of Medium Lady Talks. This episode is called Medium Lady Talks to Her Best Friend. Yay! (laughs) I'm joined today by my very, very bestest of best friends, Emily. Emily is an amazing, talented, generous, hilarious woman, and I've had the pleasure of knowing her for... mm, a long time? 30, 27 years? 30, 20, oh, yeah. Well, I we met ra- when we were 12. I won't round up. 27 years. 26 oh, years. Math. You're the one that skipped all of the grades of it's math. It's called Medium Lady Talks, not Medium Lady a, Does Math. A medium effort of math. 25 <laughs> years. 25 years. 26. Anyway, I'm so, so excited to have Emily on the podcast today as someone who I just adore talking to and as someone who I know has amazing life experience, amazing sense of self and sense of humor to share. And also, honestly, I just don't get to see her enough and I'm yes. really looking forward to this chat. So Emily, welcome to Medium Lady Talks. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I am really excited. Today, you and I are going to talk about lowering the bar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is like the, how everyone has survived the pandemic by lowering mm-hmm. the bar just a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. But I think before we get into that, it would be best if we tell the people who you are and uh, what your life looks like in the context of what we're going to talk about later, which is lowering the bar. So, you know, just give them a little, a little preamble. A little... If you were lucky enough to read that wonderful post that Aaron wrote about me the other day, um, about 50% of that is true. Um, but yes, we've been friends since we were 12 years old. We met doing musical theater at our, uh, actually before we got to high school, we mm-hmm. were in the children's chorus of the high school productions and we have stayed best friends through through crushes through moves <laughs> through jobs through babies I say crushes and not boyfriend because boyfriends because we didn't really have no, multiple boyfriends no, we had no. multiple crushes right and then each of us had one boyfriend and then we married him right because we're not it was, quitters it was <laughs> it was a great model yeah, yeah, 10 over 10 would recommend. That's yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been through a lot in our life together. And I do think that we have had some good conversations, whether they have been through notebooks that we used to write back and forth in high school, <laughs> or notes, or emails, or letters the summer that Aaron went to Trois Rivieres and fell backwards down an escalator. Um, that's to... for another time. That's, that's, that's <laughs> for another time. Story. That's for another time. It's not. Facebook messages and Instagram <laughs> messages and text messages yeah. we have communicated and stayed friends through all of those different kinds of communication. So many ways of communicating. Probably an effort on your behalf to talk on the phone that was not reciprocated by me mm-hmm. because I mm-hmm. hate talking on the phone. So, Which continues to this day while I it does. Um, chain you to my podcast and you have to look <laughs> in my eyes through the magic of Zoom. 
Well, this is a little bit different, but. Emily, I just adore you so much. I think we could talk about many different things. We're going to talk about lowering the bar today because it's something that's really been on my mind. Mm -hmm. We are in Ontario, Canada. We are in the third wave of the panorama. (laughs) And, you know, I really feel like you said before, the only way we really could survive was by lowering the bar. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of at a pivotal point where I'm realizing that I can choose where I lower the bar. Instead mm-hmm. of having the bar lowered, not intentionally, at me, at, <laughs> yeah, at you, or I'm on the bar while it's lowering, and I'm yeah. like, whoa, no. <laughs> but you know, um, we're both in our mid to late thirties, depending on perspective. And when you hear the phrase "lowering the bar," mm-hmm. what's your initial reaction? I think that it's necessary in order to be happy. Wow. You're so evolved. That's not what I would say. Here's the thing. So I am probably uh, a social media addict and half the time I find social media super helpful in terms of, you know, connecting with like-minded people, navigating hard things, just looking at pretty pictures, all those things. But sometimes if I'm focusing on one particular thing, so like a couple of years ago and probably and currently as well, I was trying to lose weight and get a little bit healthier. So I filled my Instagram feed with people that were on similar journeys at the very least. And at first it was very inspirational. Then it felt like too much. Like I was constantly being barraged by these messages. And I think if we're going to live our life not being hyper-focused on one thing, everything sort of has to be lowered a little bit. Exactly like what you're always saying, like the medium effort of these things. Like if you're following someone on this huge weight loss journey, that's probably what they're putting the majority of their time into. That's not something that I was interested in. I wanted it to be a part of my life as opposed to my whole life. So I think lowering the bar isn't like, think about the things that you are doing and do them crappier. It's like, give yourself a set of realistic expectations because nobody can be doing all of these things at 100%. And when we look at other people on social media, we see their 100% of whatever it is that they're trying to get across because it's a curated look at their life. And then we try to emulate that. And if we're following, you know, uh, somebody that's trying to lose weight, we're trying to do 100% of that. We're following someone that's redoing their house, we're trying to do 100% of that. We're following somebody that's really good at makeup, we're trying to do 100% of that. It's just not realistic. I think you are so evolved in your approach to this perspective, and applying it to social media is really smart. I don't think I do that enough, and I also don't think enough about what I'm not seeing when I look at social media, Mm -hmm. you know, is it's absolutely right. Like you think this person is hitting it out of the park 10 out of 10 times because they don't Mm -hmm. post nine out of 10 misses. Mm -hmm. Right. And that is something that I know has changed my own life is examining where I'm not showing up completely and doing that in a mindful way instead of having it done to me out of overwhelm or anxiety or Mm -hmm. desperation or just having too much on my plate Mm -hmm. um when I hear the phrase lowering the bar my initial reaction (laughs) pre-panny pre-panicata pre-panicata was probably uh 
like a visceral um, sense of panic. Yeah. Like I, especially when I was pregnant with Beckett, people would be like, Aaron, you just have to do less. Just have to Mm -hmm. lower the bar, lower your expectations. And I would be like, Mm -hmm. who do you think you are? There is no way I can do Mm -hmm. that. Because you feel like it's admitting failure before even trying. That's how I always felt is I was like, well, if I admit that I'm lowering the bar, then Mm -hmm. I admit that I expect less than a hundred percent from myself. And what would people think of me? What would I think of me if I admit that I'm not dedicated, I'm using air quotes, if I'm not, Mm -hmm. you know, really committed because when you're committed and dedicated and thoughtful, you do it all the way. You go in, you go all in with your whole heart on all the things. It's just, like I said, it's just not realistic. Although I will say as someone that has known you for 25 years, I can understand why you would always want to be doing 100% of the things at 100% because you were, like I said earlier, you skipped um, grades in mathematics when we were in high school. You were doing, you were on student council. You were getting incredible grades. You were doing a bunch of music and theater things you were doing all of the things you were also doing those things well maybe not the math but the other things definitely not the math (laughs) um but i i do think that i was doing them not aiming to be perfect at all of them because i knew that that wasn't something that i was capable of and that's not like an unkind thing i'm saying about myself that's just like i'm very I think that I've always been very cognizant of my limitations and I think because you are so smart, you don't, there's no cap for you. You're not like, you know what, this is a thing I'm not good at because you're good at all of the things. And I think that that's what makes it hard for you to like step back because you know, you are capable of doing all these things at 100%. And you think that not achieving that grade or goal or whatever is giving up, but it's, it's really not. It's just like allowing yourself time for other things you just said a lot of really nice things that make me super uncomfortable so we're just gonna skip that okay Okay. we're gonna skip that thank you that's very kind and generous and y'all can see right now why she's my best friend (laughs) i do think that you're right um about part of what you said which is i do feel like i should at least try i should at least you know try these things Mm -hmm. but I, as I get older, and certainly when I was in high school, I did not have any remote sense of reflection or Mm -hmm. limitations at all. But as I get older, I have a better sense of the fact that even if I try, I'm not going to expect to knock it out of the park or figure it out on the first go. And that still really frustrates me, you know, but there's been so much more of a reward in playing the long game. And I'm Mm -hmm. so bad at that. But in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways, lowering the bar really helps you outlast. It helps you Mm -hmm. see things through to the point where you might actually become an expert at one thing if you can stand forking it up a bunch of times and the pain or the whatever of knowing your own limitations or or the the sense of what kind of effort is it going to take for you to get where you want to go. I would often pursue things without even knowing if I wanted the outcome. I would just kind of like have a general sense of pressure that I could be a specific way. And I would kind of follow that until 
it was perhaps like not as fulfilling as I thought, or I petered out. I, mm-hmm. I, I say very often, I'm actually really terrible at the long game, but mm-hmm. I'm a good start. I come out hot. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a really great starting sprint, yes, but I, yeah. I can't often maintain the long game. And that's something that I want to change as I get older, mm-hmm. but lowering the bar to me, definitely up until I had Beckett was something that I really felt like was admitting defeat before mm-hmm. you'd even really got out the gate. Yeah, I can understand how it seems some kind of like tantamount to failure. I understand that. But to me, I'm thinking of it ironically in terms of like the mathematics, right? So if you are doing everything at 80%, that's giving, so if you're doing 10 things and you're doing all of those things at 80%, that's giving you another 100% to do something else. Do you know what I mean? Like if you think about breaking it down that way, I think it's also, right? Stop I'm it. a mathematical genius. To be Stop fair, my it. mom did write math books, so that may be where that came from. Um, but, if, uh, if Emily does four activities, exactly, and she does them at 80%. No, see, I even messed up the math there. That's okay. It's fine. It's fine. Moving along. But it's also about like picking the thing that really doesn't matter if it gets done 100% mm-hmm. and, and dialing that back. And you're very good, I think, at, at being cognizant enough to determine what that thing is I have to be honest with you right now in the panicata and in my current situation most of my things are dialed back pretty pretty low because the the amount of mental effort that I need to get through a day I have to focus less on those things in order to just like survive (laughs) yeah yeah I think that leads us well into our next topic which is using the phrase lowering the bar as a way to be compassionate to yourself and as a mm-hmm. way to practice non-judgment of your own pursuits and your own thinking about how well or not well you're doing. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. Like COVID definitely has thrown us all into being a beginner at something mm-hmm. and not doing very well at that. I remember when the pandemic first started I said I want to get an A plus like in pandemic so obnoxious yeah because I thought it was going to be like six weeks and I was on maternity leave and I was like you want to go to virtual school no problemo mama can mama can set you up with virtual school and then hated it yeah yeah and also 14 months later (laughs) still in, in this school. fresh fresh hell but also teasing myself for wanting mm-hmm. to get an a plus on in being in the pandemic that's right that's right yes yeah um you know and recognizing that like what a ridiculously obnoxious pursuit that could possibly be you know with all the all the low lows and mm-hmm. very few high highs that yes. happened during the pandemic but i do think that what I have gotten better at and what I want to keep getting better at regardless of the pandemic is using lowering the bar as a tool proactively. Mm -hmm. I think that lowering the bar is a way also to allow us to, um, you were saying in the last episode, talking about filling buckets and what Mm -hmm. takes things out of your bucket and what puts things into your bucket. So like, to me, it's like, okay, well, I could spend the next hour putting away laundry or I could sit on the couch and read. Yeah. Is yeah. it going to matter tomorrow if yeah. that laundry is still in a basket? No, it's not because I got a lot of time to do laundry right now. 
will I feel better if I spend the last hour of my day reading? Yeah, I probably will. Mm -hmm. So it's about learning how to prioritize those things. And like, my husband is also very good at helping me with that. If I want to like, if I've decided I want to manically clean the kitchen at 11 o'clock at night, he's like, just do it in the morning <laughs> like it'll still be there in the morning it's especially now because we're not having anyone in our homes so the only thing I really have to concentrate on is like if I have zoom calls that they can't see the ba the basket of laundry behind me which incidentally it is it's just low to the ground so you can't see it's closer to your feet yes exactly yeah <laughs> I think as well that like when you make that choice and then you choose the activity and you proceed with mm -hmm. your with with the better choice, the bucket filling choice. Yes. Then you notice that your bucket is full. Yes. And you're more grateful for that. Right. Right. Yeah. And you realize also that the cost benefit ratio was so over, overstacked to do the mm -hmm. bucket filling activity. Mm -hmm. And there are times when doing a full deep clean of my house really fills my bucket. Yes, for sure. But often the cost benefit ratio is like, does cleaning the whole house to the nines mm -hmm. and then felt the positive effects of that. Mm -hmm. There is a cost and that might show up in me being a little bit irritable when my kids don't put their books away or that might 100%, show yeah. up in me being, you know, 10 out of 10 annoyed when I find underwear on the bathroom floor or beard hairs from the person in my home who has a beard. The cost of putting off the dishes mm -hmm. and the benefit of reading for an hour before bed, mm -hmm. the benefits outweigh the cost, which is that you've just deferred the task to another day. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe you, when you go to do cereal, to get your cereal in the morning, you don't have a clean bowl. Mm -hmm. And then you wash one quickly by hand and figure it out. That's mm -hmm. the cost mm -hmm. versus this kind of emotionally perilous situation of investing heavily in something that then takes so much out of you that it turns up in other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. I will say that I think as someone um, that has depression, my challenge is not turning the dial all the way down and ignoring all of those things so that they eventually end up feeling insurmountable. Mm. So there's a, a balance between, yes, turning the dial down, lowering the bar and putting things off and putting them things off and putting things off until it feels paralyzing to not be able to do it. Like my house by no means gets like hoarder levels insane or anything like that. But if I have put off something for long enough, I'm sure you've seen like those tweets or whatever, where it was like, oh, I've been putting this thing off for 16 or six months and it just took me 15 minutes to do it. But that mental block that you get mm -hmm. um, about this task that you've continued to put off. So I have to be very careful when I'm lowering the bar mm. to make sure that it's not a, a slippery slope. But don't you think there's when you are in a mental space where you can lower the bar proactively, does that mm -hmm. come from the same mental health space when you lower the bar as a way to self-soothe and diminish stimuli to take, to take the pressure off of yourself from an emotional standpoint? Like, do you think there's two different things? Both of them are lowering mm -hmm. the bar, but one of them you're doing proactively as a way mm -hmm. to exercise self-compassion as a way mm -hmm. to accept what is and spend your free time doing things that are nurturing 
Mm -hmm. Or there's lowering the bar because your emotional capacity is being challenged by your mental wellness and your mental well-being. Mm -hmm. And if your mental well-being is not where you would prefer it be, then you Mm -hmm. have to lower the bar so that you can function. Yes. Yes. Function. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that there's, there are uh, more, there's more than one sort of version of it or component of it. And I do think that what happens when you have, or when you have issues with mental illness is that you, you do both sometimes. (laughs) You give yourself too much leeway. Like I find that I do that sometimes where, and less sort of with like the chores thing and more with healthy eating. I'll be like, okay, well, I don't want to cook a healthy meal because I've done a lot today and I just feel like I don't have the I don't want to spend more of my time doing that, but also like I had a hard day. So I feel like I deserve to have junk food, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. So they can be a dangerous pairing, if you will. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's very interesting. I find sometimes I have to catch myself when I am raising the bar Mm -hmm. beyond expectations, like beyond Mm -hmm. reality, not expectations, Mm -hmm. that it's actually a function of my anxiety. which is that I start to cling so tightly to what I call in my mind, the rules Yes, that I set myself up for failure almost on an hourly basis because my anxiety will tell me we need to be functioning at a level that is like out of control, unrealistic. Mm -hmm. And it's not possible to live up to that. And so when I fail at that, for example, my anxiety will tell me, you know what? you need to start journaling to get back on track. And the best time Mm -hmm. to journal is going to be five o'clock in the morning. So let's set our alarm for five o'clock in the morning and get up and drink hot water with lemon and journal. And then maybe we'll do like a (laughs) guy. That sounds terrible. Right? I know. I like journaling. I know. And then we'll do a guided meditation and then you'll have all the time in the world for a healthy breakfast and a coffee and you'll get dressed and ready for work and you'll glide out the door feeling like a goddess. And then I get up at 5 a.m. and I hit my snooze button seven times. And then I've failed. I've already failed the first part of that. And my anxiety is like, see, see, Mm -hmm. let's set the bar higher in other areas to make up for this way that we didn't live up to the rules. You know, I'm using that quotes again. Mm -hmm. And that's a cue to me that I need to get my mental well-being in check because I'm prescribing to a way of thinking that is so rigid Mm -hmm. that I can't do anything but fail. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if I can catch that thinking, then I can proactively lower the bar in a way that's counterintuitive to my my anxious voice Mm -hmm. to say, I'm actually going to set my alarm for 7 a.m. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to choose to sleep two hours beyond the rules just sidebar. I never get up at 5 a.m. I'm just thank you for you. saying that. Because no, I'm just telling you that my anxious brain tells me that good people get up at 5 a.m. So when I lower the bar, I tell myself I'm going to get up at 7 a.m. And then I feel like I've made that self-compassionate choice to sleep until 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. The lowering the bar is my mm-hmm. proactive decision to counteract my anxious thinking and mm-hmm. to sell, tell myself, I'm going to set my alarm for 7 a.m. and I'm still Mm going to have a great day. Mm -hmm. And then I do. Yeah. But I have to do it almost with force against my anxious brain, which I think is a little bit about what you just said in terms of like days when your mood is much lower, Mm -hmm. right? Is this like tiptoeing between 
lowering the bar and also lowering the bar. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. So now we've talked about lowering the bar, you know, kind of how we kind of used to think about it, how we think about it now. Let's get into the specifics because I do think that we could kind of have this high level conversation about lowering the bar and just kind of leave Mm -hmm. it at that and be like, Oh, Mm -hmm. it's lowering the bar. But I really found the most instructive, helpful word for me through the pandemic and probably like forevermore will be the word Mm -hmm. how, how do you actually lower the bar? Mm-hmm. Cause I think people can accept that it's a good idea. And what I mm-hmm. really struggled with a lot is when people would say like, I just have to lower your expectations. I'd be like, I, I, how I, I literally don't know. And part of that yeah. is overwhelm and mental well-being. And mm-hmm. when you're in an anxious state or a depressed state, those decisions don't seem possible to you. They don't, mm-hmm. they don't have an outcome. And perhaps let's talk a little bit about where are you lowering the bar right now? And how is it helpful? I started a couple of weeks ago that I told you about with uh, a manifestation practice. And when I started doing research about it, they were like, oh, pick 25 to 30 things to manifest. And I was like, that seems like a lot. Yeah. So I used my right brain and my left brain and I made a spreadsheet because that's how I operate. Like, oh, you want me to do this weird ethereal thing? I'm going to make it into a spreadsheet. That's how I can reconcile (laughs) things in my brain. So I made a spreadsheet, I broke everything up into categories, and then what they suggested is, in addition to continuing to ask the universe for these 25 to 30 things a day, also do three small things, or as Sark calls them, micro-movements. Remember Sark? I do remember Sark. Wow. Anyways, so do three small things every day that are in support of one of these 25 things that you're manifesting. Full disclosure, I have not done any of that because after I made the spreadsheet, I was like, this is too much. <laughs> that's, that's, too, that's too much. And there are also, you know, there are things that I put on there that are great and I would love to have, but A, I don't need them right now. So I don't think doing stuff towards them right now is super useful. B, I'm also not certain that I have control over them. So a mm. lot of them I ended up, and this is potentially because of my Enneagram n- number being a two, a lot of mine were around other people. Yeah. So I was like, I want my husband to have a long and healthy life. I want my dog to have a long and healthy life. I want my parents to have a long and healthy life. How do I do things other than like my husband and my dog who I can like make him healthy, make them healthy food and have, and we can go for walks. But like, I don't know how I can manifest what I can do during the day to ensure that you, my best friend, has a long and healthy life. I don't know how to do that. It was too big and then I quit. (laughs) So I think think what I have to, but it's like you of like setting yourself. Can relate. Can relate. Rigorous 5 a.m. That's right. This thing, which by the way, I also did that when I started my full-time working from home gig. I was like, oh, I'm going to wake up at the same time as when I had to commute 45 minutes and I am going to go for half an hour walk every Mm -hmm, morning. mm -hmm. I'm going to make this delicious breakfast. I'm going, I did it one day. And then I didn't ever do it again because it's too many things. You know, we should all find people that we really connected to on social media and just scroll back a year. Scroll back mm-hmm. a year and see what kind of like pandemic productivity we were all high off of. I was like, I painted my bathroom. I did some shit. Yeah. 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 And it felt great at the time. Yeah, it did because we needed to control something, but it. Exactly. Um, yeah. Now we're just exhausted and we're just like trying to A, not get COVID and B, not kill the people that we're in quarantine with. Yeah. 
Okay. So let's go back to your manifestation practice. So mm-hmm. you receive these instructions, which you dutifully executed because mm-hmm. that's your personality. There mm-hmm. was no point where you said, I'm going to do 10. No, because that's not what the instructions said. And did they say you are going to break your manifestation if you don't do 25? It's going to be broken, unmanifestable. I just thought that there was a reason. Like, it only works (laughs) if you do 25. Okay. I don't know. I just... Okay. Note for the audio. I want everyone to know that Emily is wearing a Hufflepuff sweatshirt. And I think right now you're doing a very Hufflepuffly thing, which is you are loyally trusting the instructions of your manifestation of a random person on the guru that 25 is important and that they thought through, I love this so much about you, that they thought the number 25 was important. You trusted that they, that they use the number 25 with intention and purpose. Mm -hmm. And sometimes people just say shit, babe. Sometimes yeah. they're like, you know, let's just give people 25. And if they get 10, that'll be great. Mm-hmm. And you're like, one, two. You can see. I, have re- I trust you. I believe it. I believe it. I know yeah. you. They're all written down. Oh my God. They're beautiful. <laughs> Colored marker and everything. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, but, but you must have pursued this manifestation activity for an internal, like internally, it felt like a fit to you. Yeah, I think it felt like I was, at the time, I felt very out of control out of things that were happening in my life. And I thought that it was a way to exercise control over these things that I was anxious about. And I will say that the concept of pick some things that you want, put them out into the universe, but also do small supporting um, work towards those goals that I do find a very a very useful framework mm-hmm. and I do think that I have if if I were to look back in my planner at mm-hmm. my to-do lists for the past month mm-hmm. I could probably organize all of those things into some of the things that I was trying to manifest and it's distinctly possible that I was I have been doing three things every day but I just think that realistically the things that I want to manifest right now are probably closer to 10 than 25 and I know myself in that I know if I had gone in and looked at that spreadsheet and I had really all of my actions had been focused on 10 things and not all evenly on all 25 I would have felt like that was a failure like I wasn't doing it right if you did 10 and not 25 yes yeah so if I challenge you to to really go back to your beautiful spreadsheet and eliminate Mm-hmm. Any of the ones that don't really like speak to your heart, mm-hmm. any of the ones that aren't like your wildest dreams come true, mm-hmm. get rid of all of those, mm-hmm. keep everything else, and then just like spend time with those things. Could you do that or would that still feel like a failure? Um, I think I could do it now that I'm on the other side of like making this giant list for myself and realizing how unrealistic it feels. Because you said you want to lower the bar in your manifestation practice. Yeah. But what you're actually talking about is I want to quit this thing. I want. No, I don't. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I don't want to quit it. I want to pare it down. Like I don't want to. Yes. Yes. Exactly. (laughs) I want to learn how to not feel like twenty-five or nothing. I guess. I think you do 
exactly the same thing with 10. Mm -hmm. And I think you drop the three things every day because that to me, and I know very little about manifesting, but I actually just think that you just write down the list of 10 Mm -hmm. and you look at the list of 10 every day and you make it feel, you let it make you feel really good. You do no goals. Well, this is a ridiculous anecdote, but years and years ago, I went to Herbalife with my dad, which was like a weight loss program. And they were like, oh, you take all these herbs and then you'll lose weight. But by the way, you also have to only eat 1,500 calories a day. And I'm like, well, that's how you lose weight. It has nothing to do with the herbs. (laughs) This is what, that's what this feels like. How I'm doing this is because I'm doing these micro movements. It's not because of the universe, right? Yeah. The universe is the herbs. Also more about manifesting the way these dreams make you feel Mm -hmm. and living in that space. And like I said, I know nothing about manifesting, but I have a list of like 10 things that feel like completely unattainable. Mm -hmm. And I'll take that list out every now and then. And I just have a little, little chuckle to myself, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And sometimes I cross them off and I'm like, Hey, you're not important to me anymore. Yeah. Right. That's probably a good practice too, just in terms of like looking at your own values and the things that you used to want. And yeah. Mm -hmm. Or values. That's a really good way of thinking about it is Mm -hmm. like, is like, why is this thing that I want Mm -hmm. feel so important? And what value does it speak to in my life? And then aligning your life to those values that Mm -hmm. you can do every day. Yes, I've also done that recently as I picked six val- six core values for myself. Was the list to have six, not seven or five? <laughs> it does have six, but it started a lot longer. And that I have found useful. You better not have eight. No, I have six. Although <laughs> one is family slash friendships, but then I put in brackets relationships. So I feel like that's... I mean, semantics are a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that I, have, that I found more... Uh, more effectively informs my day-to-day than the the manifestation Absolutely. thing. Like determining these six things that I really want to get across to other human beings that I'm interacting with, because that's more important to me than like, oh, and now I have a house in Florida. Although to be fair, that is also important. <laughs> I think both can be true. Yeah. And there's something about your manifestation and what I'm going to talk about next, which is so like black and white compared to manifesting. <laughs> but I like that because I think we can talk about lowering the bar in both ways is, you know, lowering the bar. And actually I once went to this webinar on the full moon from this energetic reader who was doing a manifestation exercise with like 35 women. Mm-hmm. It was free. It was really fun. And she said, it was Tara McCrory at Tara. I don't know if you're listening to this. She said, it can be easy if you let it be easy. Mm. And I was like, I'm going to write that down. Mm-hmm. And I do think that lowering the bar sometimes is about making it easy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It can be easy if you let it be easy. Manifesting can be easy if you let it be easy. Yeah. You know? The thing I'm going to talk about is cleaning my house, which I hate <laughs> to do. <laughs> I hate it so much. Who doesn't? And I hate admitting that I hate cleaning my house. Why do you hate admitting it? I don't know, because it feels like it's, uh, oh, because it's, like, obvious and cliche and, like, you know, medium effort, honestly, mm-hmm. is, like, almost no effort at all when it comes to cleaning my house. I have lowered the bar so much. So I have three kids. 
I have a husband. Mm-hmm. I have myself. Mm-hmm. We all live in a smallish house and we are home all the time, most mm-hmm. of us. And I can keep on top of it if I choose to. Mm-hmm. But there is no doubt that in the last few months, I have made some choices to fill my own bucket mm-hmm. with activities that make me feel good about myself. Mm-hmm contribute to my mental well-being and my ability to feel stable in a crazy world. Mm -hmm. And the sacrifice that I have made is my house is dirty. I think that's totally fine. You're not going to get sick if you come over, but don't, but don't come over. (laughs) (laughs) Even if we weren't in a pandemic, I think just don't come over. I need a good four days before you come over and probably $500 worth of cleaning lady. There's, you know, little kid f- have flung applesauce in various mm-hmm. corners. The bookcase is tragic. I'm just looking. I'm just looking around. I'm just looking around <laughs> for examples. You know, there's a cobweb up there. Like, it's really. I work full time. Mm-hmm. I come home. You know, we keep the dishwasher probably runs twice a day. Mm-hmm. That's how many dishes are being made in my house. Mm-hmm. We cook most of our meals at home. We're not a big takeout family, so we are, like, using our dishes. Our kitchen gets a real workout every day, Mm -hmm. and it's probably clean clean the most. Mm -hmm. But honestly, when it comes to the weekend, I've been taking a course um, Saturday mornings that takes up all my time. I'm Mm -hmm. recording a podcast, which I adore doing. I do my writing, and I play with the kids outside, and I'm, you know, having Zoom calls with my parents to stay connected to them, Mm -hmm. and before I know it, it's like I could barely fold a few pieces of laundry, Yeah, you know, and then Monday hits again, and the kids are like, I have no clean underwear, and I'm like, same. Same." (laughs) Just wear something backwards. Just go to the dryer, figure it out. Yeah. There's something, I'm always sending my kids to the dryer, and I hate it because they don't want to go. It's scary down there. It is. It's like the, like, the yeah. It's like the home alone. Can you come with me? I'm like I can't. I can't. You have to be brave. This is our <laughs> life now. But I I felt really bad about it, and I think if I really think about it, the trade off has been, I think I'm a happier mom because I've lowered yeah. the bar. When yeah. I look around and I see the mess, mm-hmm. I don't feel mad about it. I think there's also an inherent resentment that women have Mm. when they spend so much of their time cleaning. Mm -hmm. And my husband is constantly reminding me that he's like, I didn't ask you to do that. You don't have to do that. But we feel like we do. Yeah. And so he doesn't care if his socks are on the ground. I care. Mm. Why do I care? Mm. Well, I don't know, socks don't grow, go, but like, why really? Like, is it mm-hmm. going to put anybody in danger if his socks are on the ground for an extra 10 minutes? But I think when we dedicate a bunch of time to cleaning yeah. and like you were saying, and then, you know, kids toys are everywhere or beard hair or whatever it is. We feel like that time that we just spent doing that thing that we feel like is a gift to our family. Like, look what I did. I made this beautiful for you. I made it clean and safe and whatever. We feel like they don't appreciate it. And it's not that they don't, but it's just not a high priority for them, really. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I also have this aesthetic of myself living my life, Mm -hmm. especially when I do things that are self-care or hobbies. Mm -hmm. And the aesthetic of me doing those activities is in a clean house. Like if I imagine myself curled up with a book, 
mm-hmm. it's in a clean living room. That's because what you've seen is like people on Instagram doing that, but that's yeah. not real life. That's right. not real life. The other side of that photo, 90% of the time is like kids' toys everywhere. They just pushed it out of frame. Exactly. Like a laundry basket. Yeah. Like I did when I took the photo that I posted about how I was going to be a medium lady today. I moved my laptop over so you could just see the peony and the beautiful picture of you and I, but you couldn't see my computer cords. I'm going to curl up and read my YA fantasy novel. Nobody is going to come and take my picture. So who gives a darn? Exactly. Right? Why do I mm-hmm. have to look like I'm on Instagram when I'm not on Instagram? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm on Instagram a lot, but like, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, that's a big, like, that's a big, like, I can't enjoy the activity if it's not going to be aesthetically mm-hmm. put together. Isn't that weird? That is weird. Now that I say that out loud, that the book, reading the book is not going to be as fun if the house is dirty. That's weird. I feel weird it's saying not that weird. out loud. I think, it's, I think it's being conditioned by seeing other people post pictures of themselves doing that activity mm-hmm. and they're doing it in a pristine house. Mm-hmm. That's why. You, you keep seeing photos of somebody doing something and you start to equate, well, that's the right way to do that, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we are constantly like exposing ourselves to that all the time. So I need to unfollow all the bookstagrammers. I think that's what you're telling me. Well, not all of them, but I do think. (laughs) I did unfollow, full disclosure, a lot of cleaning accounts. See, I don't, I find cleaning accounts are actually helpful for me because they make me want to clean. Mm -hmm. And I also. It's a trick. It's a trick. Oh, is it? I don't know. I also find it deeply satisfying mm-hmm. when they clean other people's houses. Yeah. And I think there's probably a little bit of judgment in there too, where I'm like, oh, if they came here, my house would never be that dirty. I think there is a very, um, a very fine line between allowing those things to inspire your life yep. and fi- allowing those things to influence your life in an unhealthy way. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think the one key to that is mindfulness. Yeah. It's like, how much attention are you paying to when your thoughts go from, oh, cool, cleaning a dirty house to, oh, my house is not great and I need yes. to be cleaning it and this feels bad, but I'm going to keep watching it. Yeah. Because it might fix all my problems. Yes. Yeah. So let's summarize the how of lowering the bar mm-hmm. is really choosing the thing that feels like it's too much. Choosing the things, take a step back, choose the thing that feels like the cost benefit ratio is kind of messed up. Mm -hmm. Close your eyes, inhale, exhale. The first thing that comes to your mind. Mm -hmm. And then think about how much effort you're going to put into it to either keep it from bothering you Mm -hmm. or to let it fall in the background. Mm -hmm. For me, that's the kitchen. I know that if I can get that dishwasher on a twice a day cycle, mm-hmm. then we'll be fine. Yeah. Everything else is for science. <laughs> <laughs> so you close your eyes, you do your deep breath in and out. You picked your thing where the cost benefit ratio just doesn't feel like it's paying off for you. Mm-hmm. Think about the thing about that, that makes your life work better or the thing that mm-hmm. matters. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're going to put our effort. My thing <laughs> is going to be the, the thing that keeps my house running and the thing that keeps me from being overwhelmed as a parent Mm -hmm. is when the dishwasher has run twice per day. Yeah. 
and we destroy the environment with how much water we're using. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> see, that was my messed up anxiety brain that was like, I'm trying to pick where I'm lowering the bar and my anxiety brain is like, but you're still, you're still ruining the environment. But you're still like, isn't that but terrible? Wouldn't you also be ruining the, ruining the environment if you were putting them in a sink and washing them that way? Like, I think, yeah, I don't think there's a, a solution to that unless it was like, we're going to use paper plates. So we've talked about lowering the bar. We've talked about how mm -hmm. to lower the bar. And then you just proactively choose where you're going to put your energy. Mm -hmm. And then you mm -hmm. leave it at that. And yeah. you say, when you're like me and you wake up and you're like, oh, I didn't wake up at 5 a.m. again. That makes 18 months in a row. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to say, hey, it's okay. Makes 37 years in a row. It's not waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> uh tomorrow's say, another day <laughs> <laughs> no you're not gonna say tomorrow's you're gonna say no hey, no that's all right yeah. we're gonna have a great day those are the yeah. old rules these are the new rules yeah new rules say everything is good yeah we're I gonna think once you accept those things and yeah. you stop fighting against yeah like oh i should be doing this everybody that's successful is doing this mm -hmm. like if you've tried it and it really is not working for you then just because other people are doing it doesn't I think a lot of the time people think that they need to be doing super hard things in order yeah. to make them worthy of, yeah, you know, I do. raises or and happiness yes. or whatever. Hi, that's me. Right. My name is Erin. I'm a medium lady. I think, I think yeah. you can do challenging things, mm -hmm. but you don't have to do things that make you miserable. Mm -hmm. You don't have to suffer. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's another podcast episode. Okay. <laughs> okay. With so many good ones. Okay. Emily. Mm-hmm. Thank you for talking about lowering the bar with me. This is my pleasure. I am an I expert in lowering the so bar. So super good. And I think, you know, to my mind, you are always role modeling to me how to pour your heart and soul into the things that make you feel joy, the things that make you excited, the things that make you feel like an individual. You've never been scared of bringing your full self to the picture. And I know that that has played out really well and sometimes mm -hmm. played out in harder ways but yeah. to me it's always role modeled to me that it can be done that it should be done because I perceive you as a wholehearted person who lives their life in pursuit of the things that are really important to her and lives their life as a person who's really good at proclaiming proudly the things that mm -hmm. are most important to her and also not making that be all the things, mm -hmm. you know, I really struggled for a long time to identify my interests. Mm -hmm. But if someone had said to me, well, what is Emily into? I could have told them probably 10 things, probably 25 manifestation 25 things, things yeah. about you because yeah. you have shared those openly and honestly and with joy mm -hmm. in your heart and, and totally unabashed willingness to be into what you're into. And mm -hmm. so I think that like, for me, you've really role modeled that you say like, I am an expert at lowering the bar, but I think what you actually are is an expert at choosing what matters for you and ignoring the rest of the stuff. That's a much nicer way of saying it. So yeah, let's go well, with that. <laughs> I think, um, okay. I hate to say goodbye, but we're going to do this again. Will yes. you come back yeah. on my podcast? Of course. I can't wait. <laughs> I'm so glad you said of course because if you had said no then I would have said no. I was very sad <laughs>
we're gonna wrap up with a lightning round yeah I, I love a lightning oh, round oh good oh good 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 because I yeah. have a really hard time saying goodbye to people and the lightning round is kind of um my way of cutting off the the deep thoughts and feels that I have for the people that I love to spend time That's with fair. all right you ready for this yes I love you so much thank you for talking to me today I love talking. you too favorite word oh I have no idea least favorite word moist mm, yeah everybody yeah. says moist yeah or chesterfield oh whoa or panties wow that's that's all stephanie carlin from high school yeah what attracts you in a person humor and good shoes oh Mm -hmm. what turns you off Mm one-uppance historically that's very apt (laughs) in my knowledge of you for the last 25 years what is your favorite sound water Oh, any mm-hmm. particular kind of water? Bath, um, the toilet flushing? Not the toilet flushing. Rushing fl- river. Friggin' weird. Uh, <laughs> no. Pirates of the Caribbean? Um, yes, probably like theme park flume ride water, probably, yeah. Sorry, flume ride? Yeah, that's what they're called, or like a boat ride. That's one of the 25 things that I would have said. Emily okay. has a deep L- and profound knowledge for, for the intricacies of amusement parks specifically the Disney parks. A profession you could never do. Accountant. Oh, Mm -hmm. even though you love Excel so much. I love Excel for, not for math, like I don't know how to do like um, equations. Formulas. I just use, yeah, yeah, I just use it for, yeah, data organization. Manifest one plus manifest two equals. Yeah. Okay, a profession, if you, if you were at a fork in the road and you uh-huh. could have any other profession, what would it be? I would want to be a singer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good one for the next one, which is if you were auditioning for American Idol, what would be your song? Um, there is an Adele song called All I Ask. It sits, <gasps> very, well in, it sits very well in my range. Such a pro. <laughs> Such a pro. Mm-hmm. that's it those are the questions <gasps> those are good questions <sighs> love your beautiful face i love you too okay thank you so much okay. Bye. Bye. thanks everyone that was a chat with me and my best friend emily i hope you enjoyed this podcast thank you for joining us for our chat if you would be so kind as to rate and review this podcast wherever you are listening it would really help me find new like-minded listeners out there in the podcast universe. In the meantime, I hope this podcast helped you. If you want to connect further, please join me. I can be found on Instagram at medium.lady over there, and you'll find a number of other experiments and conversations and activities that all reflect my mindset, which is to have mindful fun every day and put medium effort into a life with maximum enjoyment and fun. I am Erin, this has been Medium Lady Talks, and I will see you soon. Bye!